started a sermon series last week entitled what? Family what? Matters. Family matters. How many of us know that family really does matter? I got a question for you. Are you ready for God's word? How about another question? Does family matter to you? If family matters to you, would you just raise your hand and say, yeah, it, it matters to me. I'm all about it. I am. And I'm not shy to say it. You know, how many of you, how many of you love your family? Okay. So I'm just warming you up to participate here. So you're like, are you ready for God's word? Yes. Family matter? Yes. Do you love your family? Yes. Okay. How many of you want God's blessing? Okay, good. You want God's blessing? Absolutely. How many of you know uh, that you don't have to convince God to bless your family. This is very, very important. I know it seems like, uh, like, why does that matter? Why does it matter for me to know this? Because so many times we have this underlining thought that somehow we've got to coerce God into like getting with the program. Like, Lord, I just gotta, I just gotta motivate you, Lord. I've gotta, I gotta hype you up. I gotta have you notice me. I have to get you to somehow think about my family and get you to want to bless my family. You know, and, and that changes the way we do things and the way we live. I want you to know that God loves your family more than you love your family. I want you to know that it was God's idea for you to have a family in the first place. You don't have to remind God of your family. He has to remind you of your family. You don't have to remind God to bless your family. He reminds you that he wants to bless your family so profoundly, so magnificently that you would bring him glory and that others would come around and say, what's your secret? How is your family so blessed? Amen. And so I want to share with you a very simple message today. And the title of today's message is somewhat different than last week. Last week we said, make sure you fight. Make sure you fight for what? Make sure you fight for your family. Today I want you to be blessed. And the title is simply, may the Lord bless you. May the Lord bless you. So before we go any further, I just want you to exhale. Take a big, deep breath in, big, deep breath out. Say, Lord, I want your blessing. I want your blessing. And we're going to go to two passages, and we're going to center the message around three points. The first passage is found in Numbers. The second passage is found in, in Psalms 128. The three points are very simple It's the outline of the psalm. Now the psalm is only a few verses long. And it basically says this. If you fear God, God will bless you. And he'll bless you from on high. If you fear God, God will bless you. And he'll bless you profoundly, profusely, generously from on high. Amen. How many of you know it's God's idea to bless our family? We don't have to convince him. So go with me to Numbers. In the book of Numbers, chapter 6, verse 24, you have a very familiar blessing that many people, many people have said. Over the years, I've I've heard this often, especially growing up as a PK. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I just want that to soak in for a minute. May the Lord bless you and keep you. 
May the, may the Lord smile down on you and show you his kindness. May the Lord answer your prayers and give you peace. Let's say that one more time. Would you just receive that this morning? May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord smile down on you and show you his kindness. May the Lord answer your prayers and give you peace. Can I, ha- can I hear an amen? amen. A hallelujah. hallelujah. Today we're going to talk to the husbands and the wives. So can you just turn to whoever's sitting next to you and say, this is for you. Now turn back and say, you need this. Absolutely, you need this. Now one more, say, he's trying to help you if you let him. And so if you let me, I want to help you with God's word today. Amen? Amen. So may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord smile down on you. Come on, how many of you want God smiling down on you and showing you kindness? May the Lord answer your prayers and give you peace. Now go with me to Psalms 128. Here's a very simple psalm. It's only six verses. And it starts this way in verse one. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in the obedience to him, who walk in obedience to him, You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. Did you catch the bookends? Or did you catch the the fear God blessing? Fear God, blessing. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. Can I just say, I don't believe that the church replaces Israel, but we are grafted in to be co-heirs with Israel to, to, to a degree that the New Testament describes that. And so I can say confidently, may the Lord's peace, what be with you and on you, Israel and his beautiful bride, the church. Amen. So go up with me again. We're going to, we're going to start off by understanding that this passage, this passage is about fearing the Lord. Let's just break down the first couple of verses. Let's break down the very first verse. Blessed are all who fear the Lord. Blessed are all who fear the Lord. Now I want you to notice, blessed are all. Notice what it doesn't say. Blessed are and then give a certain caveat. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the meek. Now that is in the New Testament, but here is a general blessing for anyone who cares to have it. Anyone who cares to have it. There's only one requirement, and that is the fear of the Lord. So notice, blessed, it doesn't say you have to be rich or you have to be poor. You have to be short. You have to be tall. You have to be wide. You have to be skinny. You have to be, it doesn't say any of these things. Come on, can I get a hallelujah to the Lamb of God saying, Lord, that means me. That means I qualify. That means you want to bless me. This is very, very important because oftentimes we feel like we've disqualified ourselves. And the enemy would have nothing less than to convince you that your shame, your blame, your guilt, 
your sin has disqualified you from the blessing of God. But here the Bible says, blessed are all. Not the perfect. But blessed are all who fear the Lord. Now what does it mean to fear the Lord? Now this is interesting because one of my favorite pastors is Pastor uh, Pastor Evans, Dr. Tony Evans from Oak Cliff Bible Church in, in Dallas, Texas. And he was at one of the first promise keepers where the Lord called me into ministry. And this year, I, or just this weekend, I got to go back and listen to his son, Jonathan, who is the chaplain for the Dallas Cowboys. And he is in his father's ministry. And he shared a message or a brief little introduction to the whole night on this passage. This is a passage very profound to their family because they talk about how their grandfather, who was the first man to become a Christian in their family line, in their family tree, he became a Christian. That's Dr. Evans' dad, grandpa. He becomes a Christian and he models his life on this passage. Blessed are all who fear the Lord. And then verse four, blessed is the man who fears the Lord. And from there, he taught it to his son who went on to become a pastor and has preached to literally millions of people around the world and now has his children who follow after him and his grandchildren who follow after him. And they openly will tell you, our goal is to see thousand generations blessed by the goodness of almighty God because he is faithful to his word. Amen. He is faithful to his word. Amen. And you might be here and saying, I'm the first one. Then be the first one and start it. Let it start with you a thousand generations. Amen. So, so he starts to, to preach on this and and I'm reminded of his father because I've heard his father's teaching on this many times. And, and if you're thinking that all of my messages are absolutely 100% derived from me and me alone, then that is arrogant thinking because all my messages derive from God's word, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, and the beautiful unity of his church and other men of God that preach the gospel. And I get inspiration from them, amen. I get to learn from them. And I can remember him talking about fear. What does it mean to fear the Lord? Fear the Lord is taking God seriously. I have come to know that in my life. That fearing God means that he is to be honored and reverenced. And that he is, a, he is to be respected and lifted up. And then what he says is to be paramount and important to me. Now, there's all sorts of fears, and you've been taught, and I've been taught that fear is wrong, and every other kind of fear is wrong. That's right. You're not supposed to fear man, because when you fear man, you get a sense of insecurity, and you get an insecurity uh, complex that can make you act out and do things you should never do. When you're trying to please others, when you're trying to live for others, when you're trying to have everyone like you, when you try to fear the future, you learn, you, you end up missing the present. When you fear the past, you end up repeating it in your future. And so there's all sorts of fears that are not worth having, but the one fear that God says you should have is a fear of the Lord. And you say, but describe it to me in real terms. And I love what Dr. Evans says. He talks about fearing the Lord, taking him seriously. It's like when you're taking a drive. And this came true for me just the other day, just this past week. And if you know me, 
I've, I've never gotten in an accident. Thank you, Jesus. It's all by his glory. I mean, by his, his grace and for his glory. Because I'm a horrible driver. I mean, I swerve all over the place. I look, I fall asleep on my way to Austin. I cannot, and I drove to Promise Keepers. Can you believe that? But that was not my fault. That was Chris. He couldn't go at the last minute. He was, he was caring for his ailing wife. But uh, uh, so, so I had to drive. But this is the thing. I get very distracted. I'm always looking at my phone and I've even created, I have this little, this little deal that I put on my windshield where I can put my phone up there and, and that's not the smartest thing to do, but any police officers in the room, don't, 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 don't identify yourself. Um, this is the thing. My wife was showing me a video and I'm swerving. I'm going and all of a sudden I see a state trooper coming up very quickly. I mean, he's coming quick. I said, put that down. All of a sudden, my whole demeanor changed. Come on, how many of you know what I'm talking about? You're nice and relaxed. You're, you're watching this. or do, I mean, you're not supposed to be watching anything. You're checking this and doing that and you're looking all over the place. All of a sudden, when the state trooper shows up, what do you do? You sit up straight, both hands on the wheel at, at what? At what? Two and what? Two and ten. You're checking your mirrors. You're using your signal lights. You're I mean, you're like, yes, sir, officer. And he, you're trying not to pass out. Exactly. You got to learn. You got to remember to breathe. He comes right up to me and he just looks at me like, were you looking at something? By this time, Melissa's. And we're smiling. We're, Thank you, officer. All of a sudden, your whole attitude changes. You know, some of us do that with God. When we need God and we need him in our presence and in our lives, we invite him in and all of a sudden we do as best as we can. And then what? Then as soon as we don't need him anymore and we leave his presence or we ask him to leave our presence because we're going to get back to our own life, that's like that trooper putting the signal light on. He got behind me and I thought, oh, here he goes. He's going to light me up. Oh, Lord, please, Jesus, I know I need you right now. And then he puts a signal light on and he takes the exit. And as soon as he was far enough not to notice me, I'm like, oh, yeah, come on, show me what you were showing me. Some of us treat God that way. To fear the Lord is to respect the Lord so that you don't incur his discipline, you incur his blessing. I can remember my dad telling me how important Sunday morning was and we were at a camp and during this camp, he had told me, you can hang out and you can have a good time all the days of the camp, but when it comes to Sunday morning, that is to be God's, that is to be holy of God. You're gonna go to church on Sunday morning. And how many of you know you get to a point where you stop taking dad so seriously? And I got to the point where I thought, dad can't spank me no more. I'm 12 years old. (laughs) So I convinced my brothers and my cousins to put, to stash a little bag in the bathroom, the farthest bathroom from the tabernacle on the way to the river, the Frio River at that. The Frio River would draw you. Have you ever, anyone been to the Frio River? Can I tell you it's where George Strait learned to swim? All my exes live in Texas. It's right there. He puts it in the song, guys. Anyway, 
I'm, I'm looking at my brother and I go, go. It's like we're running a military op. Go. And we look for dad. Dad's into the worship. We take off. First one. Second one, go. Third one, go. Fourth one, go. Fifth one, go. How many of y'all are there? We're a Hispanic family, okay? <laughs> go, go, go. All of a sudden, we change in the bathroom. We take our little backpack. We go down the river, and we think we're outside of dad's gaze. Dad, dad can't reach us here. We've walked at least a mile. We're having a good time, relaxing, enjoying, until we hear. Muy bonito. And if you know anything about a Hispanic father, when he starts speaking Spanish loudly and fast, you're in trouble. And so he starts telling me, what in the world am I doing? He's caught me. He's what? How many of you know you can never get out of your father, your heavenly father's gaze? And he told me something that day. He said, If I don't teach you to fear me in respect, you're never going to fear God in respect. And I would rather you incur his blessing than his discipline. Because son, either I discipline you or God will discipline you. I'd rather do it so that God can bless you. Today, God is saying, I want to bless you. You say, what do you mean God disciplines? It's in his word. He disciplines every child he loves. And so here the Bible says, blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Let's take that that line now. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Can I tell you what's important in that line is? Someone said eat. That's important. Yeah, important is eating is very important, but I'm going to tell you even more importantly, it's important to work. I got about two amens. Can I tell you, America, it's important to work. Hard work is important. I'm going to say it again. Hard work is important. Because when men work hard, good things happen. When women work hard, when we teach our children to work hard, they will feel the satisfaction of their labor and their what? Their character and their self-dignity is improved and they can walk around with the blessing of God versus learning to be addicted to staying out. Let me just stop there. Do you realize that America is one of the most prosperous nations on the face of the earth? That every year people will do whatever it takes to get to this country with not even a nickel to their name. And they scratch out a living. Many of them become wealthy in one generation. And yet we have hundreds if not thousands sleeping out on the street for what reason? You say, oh, pastor, it's not that easy. No, it's not that easy. But at the end of the day, it boils down to this word. It boils down to this word. Now, I'm I'm, I'm sharing this with you because when he, he says, you will eat the fruit of your labor when you work hard, God will bless you. Now, this is an agricultural society. And so they use the agricultural metaphors 
and uh, figurative language. And so he's talking to a farmer. And the farmer knows if he's a Christian farmer raised in the Judeo-Christian ethic, then he knows this, that the ground is cursed. And so the last thing you want is to approach that work in your own strength. That you need the strength of God because when you work with God, then he what? He curtails and lifts a portion of that curse to where you put your hands on something and it begins to prosper, it begins to grow, it begins to be blessed. And you need God more than ever, especially when you work. When you work. And so some folks decide, I'm going to work on Sunday to see if I can get ahead. Can I tell you, many times you won't get ahead. You'll actually end up getting further behind because God says you do it in your strength then. What you need is God stepping towards you saying, let's work this together. Let me bless you and take you farther than you can go on your own. That's exactly what's being said here. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. How many of you know that prosperity is okay for God? Some believe that Christians have to be poor. Yet God is saying, I want to bless you. I want to bless you so profoundly that you have to share it with your friends. You have to share it with others. That you get to take care of others and you get to be generous and let my love flow through you. Listen to this, your house, or excuse me, your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. She'll be like a fruitful vine within your house. What does that mean? What does that mean? We'll be like a fruitful vine within your house. Let's back up a minute. Before we get to our wives being blessed, and men, before we get to our our sons and daughters being blessed, and our children being like olive trees, he says this in verse, I believe it's verse, uh, I'm going to go back to verse 3. Excuse me, verse 2. You will eat the labor of, The fruit of your labor, blessings and prosperity will be yours. Does this mean we have to be perfect? As a matter of fact, some of us might be thinking now, Pastor, I fear the Lord, but my fear is this, that I've messed up beyond repair. That because of me, my family is not blessed. Can I tell you, that's a lie from the enemy. And the enemy would love to put shame and blame on you and curse you and riddle you with guilt so that you would feel that somehow it's over, it's done, there's no more good for you. I can show you throughout God's word, first of all, that God never expected you to be perfect. Turn in your Bibles with me to the book of 1 John. You'll see it up here in 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. The Bible says this, If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. We deceive ourselves and the truth is not within us. So God's not expecting us to be perfect. Come on. How many of you know that, that, that you can be a blessed man and yet still be a flawed man? I'm a perfect example of it. I feel like my family is blessed. I feel like God blesses my going and my coming. That God has blessed me far beyond what I deserve. Can I get an amen from somebody else that can say the same? That can say, God has been so generous with me. And I'm not saying this to impress you. 
I'm saying it to impress upon you that if he can do it for me, he can do it for you. He can do it for you. Now listen to me. I know my weaknesses, but I didn't always know them. And at one point I used to struggle. And and you know what? I'm not going to say I used to. Sometimes I still do. I struggle with, with, with getting angry and upset. And I think that comes from a, it's somebody here. <laughs> Sisters, y'all really going to do that? <laughs> she went, ooh. <laughs> that was so good. That was so good. Some of you are looking at each other like, yep, he's talking to you. That's for you. Tell him. Just go ahead and tell him. That's for you. But I got you in a second. So, so this is what happened. I mean, I grew up in a neighborhood where it was all about respect and it was all about you couldn't let anyone get over on you or do anything to you because if they did, then they would keep pushing the envelope and see so it's a fight every day. It wasn't, it wasn't uncommon for me to fight literally two times a week. Come home bloodied, come home. I mean, and it gets to the point where you, you kind of expect it and enjoy it. I used to tell my wife I would go nowhere without Red Wings. Now today, I, 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 Red Wing, Steel Toe, don't come up on me. No, but, but that's the way I, I used to think. That's the way my brothers and I used to think. And so it's interesting because you bring that attitude into a home and you tear down the blessing that God has for you. But yet God is saying, if you trust me and you fear me and quit fearing men, because at the end of the day, your attitude is an insecurity and machismo that you think makes you look good and better actually makes you look small and pathetic. Because real men know how to love like Jesus loved. And real men don't wear their emotions on their sleeves. Real men love from real deep in the heart. And they protect their family more than just fighting for them. In a physical way. They fight for them in a spiritual sense. Amen. And so he had to teach me that. But every once in a while, I would forget. I would forget, and I could, I'll never forget this one time. I, I, I only share this backstory because it's important for you to understand where I'm coming from. So we were having a really hard time. We had just started the church, and I was making huge strides in my spiritual walk. You think, when a pastor starts a church, he's perfect? No, not perfect today. But I can remember trusting him and praying, and our family was growing and everything. I was 28 years old. And the church was booming, and all of a sudden, this... This, this very divisive individual came in and, and, and he openly admitted, I want to split your church. And so I was so proud because I said, Lord, I won't fight his game and I won't participate in his tactics. I'm going to trust you. And I went before the Lord and I said, Lord, if you're with me, would you show me a sign? If you're with me, would you show me a sign? And just then I saw this beautiful falling star, Keith. It shot across the entire sky and I heard God tell me in my heart, is that good enough? And he said, depending on how you believe, I either sent it millions of years ago or I sent it today. But either way, I knew you were going to say that and I had it ready for you. That's what I heard him say to me in my heart. And I'm like, oh, it's on. God is with me. Come on. How many of you know that gives you a confidence like never before? Fast forward two years. The problem's over. Things are going great. Things are going wonderful. But all of a sudden, that insecurity starts to sneak in. And I start feeling less than. And when I'm feeling less than, I start taking it out on my, my family. Am I the only one? 
If I start feeling frustrated, come on, man, I'm talking to someone here. And then I started really being, and, and I would let the expectations of the church for my family, what they felt they need, I needed to be, I would put that on them. And I'd start saying, we got to be like this, and you got to be like that, and you got to spend time with this person, and you have to do this, and you have to do that. And I was killing my wife. And listen to what the Bible says. The Bible says here, you don't have to be perfect. Listen to this, my children, these things I write to you so that you will not sin. And if anyone sins, because what? You're going to sin. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ. He also says in the same book, he says, and he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. And when you ask for forgiveness, there is neither. There is now therefore no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That means he washes him. He washes you white as snow. He plunges them in the deepest sea and he separates them like the east is from the west. So the Bible says he has transformed you. You are a new creation. And this is what I learned this week. That you are different, but the enemy's still the same. And he's going to keep tempting you with the same old thing. He's going to tempt you with the same old thing. And he would come at me with the same tendencies. And I can remember telling my wife in one of our hardest times, I said, Dad, come it, Melissa. You just need to get in line. Oh, is it that bad? <laughs> yeah, it's bad. I said, you just need to get in line. If you would just submit. And yet God was saying, and if you would just submit. It's a trickle down. And I'll never forget, I said, uh, I said, Lord, I don't know if we're going to make this. And I went outside in that same spot and I said, Lord, I don't care how long it takes. That's a proudful statement, isn't it? I said, I don't care how, how long it takes, but I need a sign. And I sat out there most of the night and then I started getting tired. My butt was getting sore sitting on my tailgate. And I said, Lord, maybe I, I do care how long it takes. And this is what I heard him say to me in my heart. You will get no sign from me. And you said you didn't care how long it takes. I've got eternity. How long do you have? I said, then what's wrong, Lord? He says, 1 Peter 3, 7. You've been treating your wife harshly. Go back home. Treat her right. And you'll see everything begin to fall in line because she is my gift to you. And here, families, the Bible says openly, listen to this. The Bible says in verse 3, your wife will be like a fruitful vine in your house. Do you know the, the vine is a sign of prosperity? It's a sign of fruitfulness. It's a sign of blessing. It's a sign of joy. Do you realize it's a sign of unity and coming together and being merry and making celebration? This is why Jesus chose what? The fruit of the vine, the wine for his first miracle to indicate all that he would bring mankind. That he would bring mankind a blessing 
from where? From Jerusalem. We'll get to that. In Zion. And it would flow from the hand of God to us. And he is saying, when you get life right in the family, your wife will bless your home right in the heart of your home. Just like in a middle... uh, In a Mediterranean household that has the inner part as a courtyard and the trellis is filled with this vine growing throughout that courtyard, providing shade and a beauty to that home. That's what a good mother does. Wives, can I tell you, you're called to be a blessing in your home. Not to be, oh, come on now. Now turn to them and say, this is for you. Say, this is for you. You're not called to be grouchy and crabby and upset all the time. But then again, men, why are they being that way? You're supposed to work together and bless one another. And when you trust in God's word, he will do more for you than you can possibly imagine. He'll take you back to that time when you first got married. That honeymoon week. So Jesus said his first miracle was at what? A wedding when they enjoyed their first week together, celebrating, enjoying the wine. Because as Tony Evans says, wine will make a sad man glad. No, you are called ladies to be significant in that home. Your, Your husbands will be blessed because of you. There are things that only you can do. Husbands, your wife is not going to be a blessing to you. And know this, that the enemy wants to destroy your closeness and your togetherness. He's coming at men every day where men don't even know how to be men anymore. He's demasculating the man. They don't know how to be masculine and strong. Can I tell you the world is offended by your masculinity? They're offended by a man who would dare to trust God with his family. Who would dare to pray a blessing for his family. Who would dare to stand and protect his children. And say, I have good things in store for you, daughter of mine. I have good things in store for you, son of mine. I'm going to take you under my arm. I'm going to teach you the ways of a real man. They're offended by that. Can I tell you, ladies, the spirit of Jezebel is alive and stirring in the world today, trying to exploit your femininity, trying to have you use your femininity to coerce and manipulate and use it as a weapon to demasculate your man, to not submit, to not trust, to not work together. But yet God says, when you do it my way, you will be a fruitful vine within your house you will excel and you will forgive quickly and your household will excel at forgiving quickly at loving deeply working diligently walking humbly giving generously encouraging purposely trusting faithfully believing greatly and worshiping God passionately can I tell you I have a lot of gifts but those are not some of mine these are Melissa's gifts And I am so glad she's a fruitful vine in my home. You know what else I have found? Jesus was, or God was not just talking about just just blessing your home with fruitfulness, but also with passionate intimacy. 
Do you realize that the vine is found in the Song of Solomon to indicate sexual closeness? Read with me what he says in the Song of Solomon there. Song of Solomon, chapter 7, verse 6. How beautiful you are and how pleasing, my love, with all of your delights. What kind of delights? I don't know, but I want to keep reading, don't you? Listen to this. Your stature is like that of the palm. I guess they were on the beach and he was looking at a beautiful palm tree. And he goes, that reminds me of you. <laughs> Can I tell you, ladies, it doesn't take much for your man. It, it won't take much. That's the way God built him, man. He can get going quick. He goes, your stature is like that of a palm and your breasts. Look how quickly he went there. <laughs> and your breasts like clusters of fruit. Oh, where do you go next, Solomon? I said, I will climb the palm tree. Uh Uh-oh. Some of you are looking right now. Where is he reading? Mark that. Mark that for me, baby. Mark that. You didn't know this was in the Bible, did you? You go, we got some reading to do tonight. All of a sudden, the guys are going to be reading God's word, aren't they? So, so watch this. I will climb the palm tree. I will take hold of its fruit. No, listen, listen. May your breasts be like the clusters of grapes on the vine. You know where real intimacy comes, real intimacy comes from? It comes from God. Doesn't come from the world and the garbage they're constantly feeding us. It comes from God. It comes from God. Listen to this. He says, he says, Your fragrance or the fragrance of your breath like apples and your mouth like the best wine. What are they doing? I'm going to tell you. They're kissing. They're kissing. No, look, look. Now she goes. This is her part. Listen to what she says. May the wine go straight from me to you. From me to my lover. Flowing gently over My lips and teeth. This is metaphorically, in a sense, she's saying, let my love intoxicate you. Oh, that's good. (laughs) Oh, you haven't been kissed until you've been kissed so passionately that your head spins, gentlemen. That happens with God. That happens with God. That happens with God. That happens with God. And this is what the Bible says is your blessing. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Ladies, be fruitful. Men, establish this kind of household. Give your wife room to grow. Your children will be like olive shoots around your table. Do you realize that the olive tree takes the longest to bloom and really start to produce olives is what I'm talking about. It takes 30 to 40 years. How long was Moses before he stepped in to his calling? 40 years before the Lord took him to be a shepherd and started showing him how to, what, shepherd people. How 
old was Jesus before he stepped into his calling? He was 30 years old. An olive tree will not be a tree. It'll be a shoot for 30 to 40 years. Come on, dads. You've got to gird yourself up with some strength because the world's telling you, get them out, send them on, let them do their own thing. I'm telling you, look after them. Make sure they become fruitful. It's going to take some time, but be patient. And if you're patient, it will produce a harvest. Do you realize that the olive tree, the olive tree can give harvest for a thousand years? For a thousand years. When I went to Jerusalem, there were olive trees there over a thousand years old. And they said, maybe one of these was here when Jesus was praying. So this is where we finish. May your children and your children's children be blessed. Yes, this is the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see prosperity in Jerusalem all the days of your life. Can I tell you, he's already blessed us from Zion, but this doesn't even compare to what he's gonna continue to do through that same blessing that he started 2,000 years ago. Listen, most of Jesus' most profound teaching took place in Jerusalem. So yes, God has blessed us from Zion. This prophecy has been fulfilled and is being fulfilled today. Not only was Jesus' most prominent teaching and profound teaching taking place in Zion, but he was also what? Crucified and he died in Jerusalem. The blessing came from Zion as he died for our sins and atoned and took our, was our substitute there on the cross. Not only that, but he resurrected in Jerusalem. God blessed us from Zion. Not only did he resurrect, but he promised the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit did in fact come where? To Jerusalem in Zion. And it was there that he ascended into glory and that the church started in Jerusalem in Zion. Can I tell you, God wants to bless you from the heavenly Jerusalem on high. And he wants to bless you and your families. To a thousand generations. To your children's children's children. But is there a man here? Is there a woman here? Is there someone here that will say, Lord, I'll proclaim that over my family. I'll proclaim that over my church. I'll proclaim that over my city. I'll proclaim that over the generations to come. That God would bless our family. So this is where we finish. Listen to this proclamation. Lord bless you and keep you. Come on, just sing it out loud. He's blessed my family. I'm showing you pictures of my family because that's what I have. But you envision your family. I prayed that my children would be baptized and God answered it. I prayed that their hearts would be drawn to him and he answered it. That every one of them would what? Serve him. And he answered it. Not because I'm perfect, but because he is gracious. Amen. Because he is good. Because he is good. He's blessed me with great in-laws. He's blessed me with a great father. He's blessed me with a good mother. He's blessed me with brothers and sisters and this is his blessing on my life. 
I don't say that to impress you. I say that to brag on God's goodness. Amen, Lord. Amen. You are righteous and you are good. And your word and your faithfulness endures to a thousand generations. Amen. To a thousand generations. I'm going to ask you to put the words up here and you're going to sing it with us. Come on. Upon two thousand generations, come on, fathers, come on, mothers, just begin to pray over your children right there where they come on to proclaim this. Because the last part of that psalm is a prophecy that you would come and that you would bless us from Jerusalem and from Zion. Lord, thank you for your son. 
Lord, as we partake, we say thank you. And I just want to ask you, Lord, I can feel it, Lord. I can feel it in my spirit. There's some moms and dads right now that are holding back. And they don't feel quite comfortable just proclaiming a blessing over their life. I'm here to tell you that blessing is the most important thing you can do. So just break free and just begin to proclaim it over your children, over your family, over your loved ones. In Jesus' name, we thank you. Church, have a great, great week. I love you.